This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perfectly Mentored. I'm your host, Jason Portnoy, and we are back with the Ask Jason Live show, where I fielded questions from people live. You're not going to want to miss this one. Check it out. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ask Jason show, where we go live every week answering your questions around business and marketing or anything else you want to ask Jason. So if you have any questions, just comment below. And for those of you who don't know Jason, he is the founder of Jport Media, an online ad agency which helps scale our clients to seven figures and beyond. He also created the Market Domination Method and teaches it in his private coaching program, Market Domination Coaching, which if you're interested in joining, you can head over to marketdominationcoaching.com and book a free game plan call. You ready, Jason? I'm ready. I'm silencing my phone because last time I was doing a live recording, I was halfway through the recording and like I was recording something and then the phone just started ringing. So making sure ah. that doesn't happen this time. Rookie mistake, <laughs> not happening again. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. All right, yeah. let's see what is our first question. Okay, this is a great question. All right. How did becoming a parent change you? This is from Lydia. How did becoming a parent change me? Okay, we could talk about the human aspect of it and then and let's bring this back into business because I think this is a business related Q&A show. From a personal perspective, uh, everyone talks about just love for your kids and you you just learn this like unconditional love and there's this bond. I always thought it was like nonsense. I always thought it was made up. Yeah, cool. Like I'd rather do other stuff than hang out with my kid. Now it's when the baby's first born, when you have one, when you go to one, that first moment, it's like it's cute. They're a baby. It doesn't really hit you. I, if I'm going to speak truly honestly, when I came home, it wasn't like, okay, I love this baby. It's like this. I don't know this baby. I don't know who this is. I didn't have to carry the baby for nine months. I didn't develop this relationship. I'm not the one feeding it like every single night. If, obviously, if you formula the man feeds, but I'm not the one involved in this. So I didn't have that relationship in the beginning. It's something that I had to grow with and learn. I can tell you that it definitely comes and it's the most amazing thing in the world and i'm going to stop there because i could get emotional talking about my kids and i want to bring this back Aww. to i want to bring this back to business from a business standpoint patience is just, just being a bit more patient kids are great at testing that and testing the boundaries and something i think we could all learn from kids is they're relentless right mm -hmm. want something they're not ashamed they find different creative ways to ask for it sometimes they'll but their follow-up is incredible like you, <laughs> a no is not a no to, to them. It's a, how many times can I get you to give in and tell me uh -huh. what you want? And I think everything that I've ever done on my business side, if you really build it down, like, how do I get this person on my podcast? How do I get this client to close? How do I do all this? It's tenacity. It's grinding. It's pure pushing and nonstop, um, and nonstop relentless follow-up. And that's always led to the best clients, always led towards the action that's always led me towards where whatever I wanted. And my mother used to say that I am a relentless kid or I'm a dog with a bone when there's something I want. And I think mm -hmm. that's something we could all learn from kids because they're like that too. And just like, they're blunt. And they don't mean any disrespect, but they're blunt and honest. And I think as we get older, we start teaching the kids, okay, you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's 
conditioned behavior that I think leads towards a lot of things. I'm, I'm very intrigued around parenting. I'm trying to become a better parent and raising kids in a, in what I think is a crazy messed up world right now. Yeah. I know every generation's probably said that, but yeah, I think it's changed me. It's changed me from just, I, I don't think it's so hard to say. I, I think you have to watch other people around me, like who, and who know me, bring my wife into this conversation, bring my friends and, and ask them how it changed me because I see me day to day. Like you never really notice your changes. Like so one day you wake yeah. up and you had a hairline and the next day you wake up and it's like, where'd it go? <laughs> there, I'm sure there were incremental changes in there, but I just didn't notice it. And then you notice it when it's too late. But yeah. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. What about you? How has being a parent helped you or changed you? Because I know you. Oh, I, I would say pretty much everything you just said is very true. Being <laughs> they're definitely headstrong. That's for sure. But those are those can be good qualities. I think there's the occasional kid out there that is more quiet and reserved. But yeah, not mine. But yeah, those can be good qualities in the workplace and patience, testing patience. But yeah, I think everything you said is true. That's definitely a good connection that you drew there between work and everything. I think that's absolutely true. Okay, so next question. All right, if the internet shut off, how would you switch the way you market, assuming audiences are still so hard to sell and you have to be so creative from, I think it's Oren, I think is how you pronounce his name. If the internet shut I grew a business, I wouldn't say without the internet, but there wasn't social media marketing that exists right now or in the facet or in the way it exists right now, or I was to naive and lost and didn't even understand that world when I first started my when I started the clothing business. And I think there's a lot of businesses right now that still aren't acting on it. So it's still they're acting as if the internet's been shut off, I would do the things you could always do you have direct mail, you have look at the greatest advertisers of all time. Like I talk about this all the time with David Ogilvy, and all these great copywriters, they used to send things out in the mail, they used to put things out like knocking on doors, joint ventures, partnerships, joining networking groups. Those are all different ways you can market that doesn't rely on social media. I think we've, I say this all the time, I just think we've been lazy. And there are times I'm guilty of it too. I'm like, okay, let me just throw up an ad and see what happens. And that's an incredible thing if you think about it. Like even from a lazy marketer standpoint, it's an incredible time we live in that you could just throw up an ad. Forget platform updates, forget all these issues, forget algorithms, forget all attribution it's an incredible time that you could literally throw something up there and within spending a hundred dollars or whatever, you have instant feedback on whether what you think, what that offer or that idea has any validity to it. Think about what you have to do before that happens. So I think we live in an incredible time, but obviously for the sake of this question, I don't have the ability to do that. How do we used to do that? We used to go into networking groups and we used to be like, okay, mate, you're a, you're an electrician. I'm a plumber. We should do something together because you're going to need clients who need plumbing work. I'm going to need clients. And guess what? Let's bring a, let's bring a contractor into this little threesome here. And let's build this like crazy thing where we just refer business to, to one another. 
I, we're going to need a contract. I'm going to drill. I'm going to cut up a hole. You're going to cut up the ceiling to do uh, your electrician work. They're, you're going to ask them, do they have anyone that can fix it? No, you have a great name and you can get them, you, you get them best pricing. And then by the way, they're cutting in. They're like, oh, I see the pipes leaking. Do you have a plumber? No, cool. You should use the plumber I have. It's mm -hmm. keeping all the business. That's how businesses used to grow. And that's how they used to do it. It's, it's, through, it's through like these partnerships and building like teams, like little mini teams. You're a real estate agent. Guess what? You may know a notary. Go do go chat with a notary who you could do business with. You may know someone in the mortgage business and be like, cool. Now, there's your other trifecta right there. It's you have the notary, the real estate agent, and the banker. And guess what? If you keep it all in the family and all the money goes there. And and you know, I've seen at times where you could probably sit there and say, All right, who's the lowest fee of the oh, the notary is probably the lowest fee versus who's gonna make the commission? Great. How about we just bake in the notary fee in 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 our pricing? We break it in, we bake it in, but we offer it as a service. If you come to us for a mortgage and use me as a real estate agent, the notary is full, well, our notary is free. Or you do it like there's so many different ways you could be creative and do it. What was the second part of that question? Because there, there was it was how would you switch the way you market, assuming audiences are still so hard to sell and you have to be so creative? Yeah, audiences were always hard to sell to. I think now yeah. on online. It's we're just inundated with so many of these ads. So it just becomes harder. But what, why it's become harder is because we've thrown out real world sale tactics and psychology and understanding the people we're going after. We just throw up ad after ad and we just throw things out there to people. And now we just got trained to look at things and see it as an ad. So I think when you come from a place that you could actually help and understand the people that you're targeting and going after, I think that's how you run successful. You run successful marketing. I think that's how, that's kind of, pretty much how you grow and build a brand. So, again, you can take the internet away. It sucks. Like people are like, "Hey, how do I build a business without spending money on paid ads?" You can. I don't know why you'd want to. Yeah. It's definitely faster. It's definitely. It's definitely like having a boost button for your business. So I don't know why you'd want it, but. You definitely can. I just think you need to get creative. And I think I gave a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I think that was perfect. Okay. This question is from Leith. What made you want to be a coach? And when did you get your first coach or mentor? When did I, I'll answer the second part first. When did I get my first coach or mentor? I got my first mentor by not really knowing what a mentor was and looking for one. I didn't understand what a mentor or mentee was. It was, I started a clothing brand who was the top guy in clothing business that wrote a book that I was reading and that was Damon John. And I said, okay, cool. I'm going to reach out to Damon John. And I just want him to help me. I didn't even look at it as mentor me. It was like, I just want his advice. I just want to ask him questions. I didn't even know what questions to ask him. I just thought it would be cool. Like this guy could actually help me. And I was going back to the first question. I was tenacious and I was very persistent in my follow-up because I dealt with a lot of weird responses from him and his team. Like what? <laughs> I was just going to say, it was like, I remember reaching out to him and he said, oh yeah. I said, Hey, you say in your book, you like helping people in the clothing business. I'm a young entrepreneur in the clothing business. Would love your help. And he actually responded on Twitter to me and in DM wrote DamonJohn.com. <laughs> I'm like, cool. This is awesome. Damon John just responded <laughs> to me. I'm going to get my meeting. I go to DamonJohn.com and there's nothing there. Like, it's a site, but there's no like, I offer a coaching program. I offer mm -hmm. a course. I offer, there was nothing there and there was no contact information. It was nothing. I was like, 
wow, this is the biggest blow off of all time. And then I even <laughs> responded again. And then I got DamonJohn.com again from someone else. But yeah, anyways, it was, he was my mentor. I think the biggest mistake, I think I've always, it's a weird question because I think people don't hire their coach or mentor fast enough in their business. Mm-hmm. I think they wait too long. And I think that I think they get scared of that small, and I do mean small, like it, it, even if it's a hundred thousand dollar a year coach, I'm saying it's a small investment. If that person could actually take you to millions, would you pay a hundred thousand dollars for a fast track or a plan to get to millions? And that comes to vetting your coach and vetting and feeling like they're the right person that could do it for you. But I think people don't do it enough because they get scared of that initial investment and they don't realize that the amount of time that they, that they spend making mistakes, right. it costs them more than that investment. And the mistakes and the costs and everything associated to not knowing the right plan or plan to do and all the setbacks cost a lot of money. I think people don't really understand just how much mistakes actually cost their business versus saving the mistakes. Don't just cost, save them those mistakes, but also save them time, which also is has a monetary value to it as well. So I think they, yeah. they just need a change in how they think about things. I've just been, I've always believed in fast tracking as much as possible of who do I know that's done what I'm doing and how do I get in front of them? I think the podcast was pretty much designed for that. The Perfectly Mentored podcast is called Perfectly Mentored. It was designed for me to become perfectly mentored from people I wanted to reach out to who wouldn't give me the time of day. But if I asked if I could interview them, the whole landscape changed and I just happened to fall in love with it. And I think I'm a good interviewer and I I built some pretty good relations off there and it turned into something fun. But it was designed for me to just get in front of people and learn and ask them questions. So someone grew an Instagram following from zero to uh, 250 thousand that was interesting to me at the time i wanted to know how to do it now if i sent them a dm saying hey can you spend 45 minutes with me teaching me the plan of how you did that and the step by step they'd say no but if i said hey can Mm -hmm. you spend 45 minutes being interviewed and teaching my audience exactly how you did everything you said you're doing which if you think about is the same exact thing just i switch it to i'm going to interview you and you're going to teach other people but really it's me. I got it. So I always just believed in finding out the best information going and going and moving. Now, the mentor coach side of things is very interesting because I think most businesses die from indigestion rather than starvation, which means they consume more information than they actually need and they actually need to act, which is why I got serious then on hiring a coach, which is Mm -hmm. why the podcast became fun and not necessarily about me learning every single thing along the way. And I think people do that. They jump from coach to coach, program to program, course to course. And I was in that spiral as well, which is what led me to hire a coach and go all in on one person. And I pay a lot of money for that coach to go all all in and consume less information, but right plan of attack on how to do. What made me want to do be a coach is I asked I absolutely fell into it. There was no part of me that woke up one day and said, I want to coach people the same way I fell into the ad agency. Right? There was, I, I was doing it for my own business. I got requests from other people asking me for help. I did a lot of free lunches. I'm like, I don't want to do free lunches anymore. That's Can I make some money off this? And I tried it and I made money off of it and the agency was born. And I happened to love it more than I loved clothing. And I pivoted and I made the adjustment. Now, the agency, most people think I'm, I do coaching. I this, we run a seven figure agency and, and we run and we're building that. And we're still in the process of building that. And we're still in the process of growing that. But on right. top of it, when you put in systems in place, you realize that every business has what's called operational leverage. How do you create more operational leverage and less operational drag? 
the bigger you go, if I wanted to grow, if we wanted to grow Jaipur to, to 800 person agency, we're hiring a lot of people. There's a lot of HR issues. We're dealing with operational drag. To me, that doesn't sound interesting. Me, how I like to like run things like lean and tight yeah. and do things and do things to that ability. But that limits scale to an extent. So what can I scale that doesn't involve creating operational drag? And that was my knowledge. I've helped businesses. I've built two seven-figure. I've built two seven-figure businesses. I've helped many of our clients build seven-figure agencies, seven-figure businesses. So I've done it. The method works. I have a proven track record, and they all need help. So that was my knowledge. Is now becomes to a point where I can now sell that knowledge. Now, if I tried to do this five years ago, I would have fell flat on my face because I didn't do anything. I built a clothing business, but then I was building an agency. Like who am I to coach people? Now, if you want to grow to nine to $10 billion, I'm not the right coach for you. I've never been to $10 billion, but I think I'm, I'm in the right place right now. Of how do we create for the business, another revenue stream where we could use my knowledge and I could actually help way more people. I can't help that many people through the agency. We say no more than we say, yes, we kill a lot more deals than we say yes to. How can I actually help these help businesses, which is my passion, which is what led me to start. I took, I was take, like I said, I was taking free lunches <laughs> because I liked it. I liked talking it and I liked seeing the progression. I liked helping people, which led towards paying to help people. And now, okay, that created a, a little bit of a tight like box. I can't really grow out of that unless I want to create the operational drag, which right now I don't want to do. Yeah. So how do I help that and how do I scale and how do I help more people? And that's your coaching program. Nice. Okay. All right. We have a question from Joe. What is something you learned about business that most people don't want to admit? Ooh, that there's luck involved. I, I think that, I think there's a couple of things, but there's definitely luck. I think you look at a lot of the businesses that were built, like really big businesses, right time, right place. And I think part of that comes to luck. But also, I don't want to diminish building businesses, but there's the luck, but there's the skill to recognize the opportunity to create that luck, if that makes sense. You have to be, you have to understand opportunity and be able to spot them and be able to, to bank on yourself and act and go all in when that happens. So yes, you can have an amazing lucky opportunity, but that person worked hard to get to that point where they had that opportunity to become lucky. And I think that's where it comes. No business was just like, hey, I'm going to start a business. And they started it. They went to sleep. And in the morning, they woke up with $10 million in their bank account. That is complete luck. But they went to bed. They grew their business. They understood. They sharpened their skills. And then they realized a $10 million opportunity that came their way that no one else. And it was only available when they were at that time. But they understood that, recognized it. Like, there's how many business deals have happened because a guy walked into a restaurant and or sat on an airplane next to a guy who was looking to do the exact same thing person had that's you were lucky to sit next to that person you could have been sitting in seat 2f and not 8d right but you were sitting in 8d but you have to be skillful enough in order to sell that person or to recognize that person what they're going for and actually have a conversation with that person and talk to that person. So many people just sit on the plane, they just sit there and they put their headphones on and go to sleep. I'm like that on really long flights. But if you really want to create opportunity, that's how you do it. So many people go to conferences and they leave the conference and they're like, man, this conference was awful. I, I it didn't bring any business. But same people go to that conference and they walk away with $100 million deals. Why? Were they lucky? Maybe. 
but they had the same opportunity to be lucky as you did. Hmm. Just they didn't, they didn't spot it. Yeah. It's the same way you could be lucky enough to have a hundred million dollar, like a, hundred, a bag of a hundred million dollars fall next to you. And that's, that be that, amazing. <laughs> that's, it would be amazing. But if you understand the analogy <laughs> that I'm going with is so many people are sitting there next to the bag going, man, why didn't fall on my lap? Mm-hmm. versus now I have to get off the couch and go pick up that bag and get the hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously everyone will get off the bag, uh, off the couch, but the philosophy is if you break it down to business and you understand the metaphors, so many people sit there and they have a lucky opportunity to come there, but they don't get up and act on it because they're like, man, it didn't fall in my lap. I didn't wake up and my business did $10 million. But guess who rang the doorbell? A guy who could possibly give them $10 million, but they didn't understand their opportunity. Would have been mm-hmm. lucky. They would have had some luck, but they would have had to have some skill to, to get it. You have to take a little bit of action. It's not going to oh, fall in your lap. It's the same way I get, I don't love the whole manifesting thing. The, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to manifest my way to wealth. Yeah, you could. Like, but like, then you're never leaving your house and you're hoping something happens. You're just lying in your right. bed and manifesting. Like, you have to act on the manifesting. Like mm-hmm. I said, that's where it comes. I wish a million dollars. I wish I had a million dollars. Wish I had a million dollars. And then they have a million dollar opportunity right next to them, but they're not acting on it because the million dollar didn't fall in their lap. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. This question is from Kate. Hmm? Uh, Kate asks, what courses have you bought that changed you and your business for the better? But in my area, almost every course on the planet and hadn't been involved in every program, they all have a little bit of, if you could take one thing out of it, I think it's a good investment because you could spend $5,000 only get one little thing, but that one little thing can make you a hundred thousand dollars. That's a good mm-hmm. investment. The rest of the course, the rest of the program can be awful, but that one little thing is a giant ROI. That being said, I think this question is perfectly tied into to last question in the sense of less information and more action. There is nothing I have consumed and absolutely nothing from any course or any program aside from like coaching, but I'm because that's different than a course, but there is no course that has ever produced the same amount of ROI or revenue for me than me actually doing something and experiment and putting things into action and testing what works. It's like, how do you become a great copywriter? You could watch the best copywriting course on the planet, but unless you're going to go out and write day in, day out and actually write copy, you're not going to get better. No course is just going to suddenly make you. It's funny. I had this conversation with someone when I was in New York was I used to love magic. I, I, I was, as a kid, I loved magic tricks until you want to know how to kill magic is learn how to do magic tricks. It ruins magic for you. So like, I remember there was this crazy trick of a guy borrows a ring from a girl, puts it in his hand, and then it disappears. And then the guy, he points down and it's tied to a shoelace. Crazy trick. I'm like, cool. And then you go in and you go into the store and you're just speaking to the guy and you're like learning the trick. It's like, cool. You got to bring your pants to the tailor. They got to cut a hole in a line through it. And you got to do this. And, you, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Because in my mind, it's teached me how to snap my thumbs and I have a magic power and and do it. And I think people who've ever tried to do a magic trick understand this. When you learn the trick and the prep and the work that goes into it, you're like, it's not worth the trick anymore. Like I thought I was going to learn to snap my fingers and do it. That's the problem with people. And they jump from course to course is because they go in and they think that course is going to just be like, 
oh, cool. I snap. Okay. I'm taking a copywriting course. I'm going to be a copywriter after I finish this and never write any copy and never practice and not stand in front of the mirror. Magicians stand in front of the mirror for hours practicing. They just think they're going to watch the DVD and show them a card trick. Now they know how to do the card trick until you actually do the card trick. And then you ruin it for everyone because you never practiced it. And people, and you're like, and everyone now knows the trick, but I equate it to that is no course has impacted my life more than me actually doing. I've had coaches that programs I've, I've had course that taught me things, but none of them I say would have a giant impact. They're forgotten. I've, in fact, I probably never finished 99% of the courses that, that I've bought. And I, I would imagine everyone listening is probably in the same field. They probably don't finish 99% of the courses that they're in. Um, yeah, it's, I think there's a reason why is because they're looking for that magic bullet. And I think that question just has to be very careful with that question of what had the biggest impact of your life? Are you looking for something that's going to change you? Then I would probably go the coaching route. If you're looking to learn a skill, then courses could be valuable, but they're only as valuable as you actually acting on them after. All about the action. 100%. <laughs> okay, let's see. Okay, next question is, I'm struggling like I'm in quicksand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awful. I don't mean to uh, laugh, but yeah, I'm laughing. At, I'm not, I'm more laughing at how you just read that question than, than the actual question, but yeah. How do I get out of it and grow my business? This is from Paolo. First off, I'm sorry. You're, you feel like you're struggling and in quicksand, but I, if I know the feeling, so it's not as, it's not, it doesn't sound as dire as it actually sounds. I and mean, I hope it's not, but, but I know the feeling of when you do things and you just feel like you're, you're not. Like you're not moving anywhere. Look, there's a saying that that if you feel like you're drowning, start start swimming, right? Like start start like paddling, and or if you feel like the boat's not going anywhere, start paddling. And the reason for that is you can't drown. You can, but if you just if you just sit like this in the water and you don't move and you go in the water, you're going to drown. But if you start doggy paddling, even and moving and or just like taking strokes and going and little strokes, you'll actually be able to swim we're not talking about a current drowning i'm just talking calm waters in a swimming pool you're gonna you're not talking about a rip current exactly you're swimming pool if you stand like this you're gonna drown if you start moving your arms chances are you won't drown and that's because action breeds momentum so usually when you're stuck the best thing to do is take an actionable step is do whenever i feel stuck i feel like i need to do something whether that's putting out a Facebook post or putting out, sending an email or reaching out to do something on podcast, little wins breed momentum. So I've just always been taught that when you're stuck, just do something because even a step in the wrong direction is better than a step is better than staying stagnant. Stagnant is death. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're staying still, you're actually moving backwards. So it doesn't really matter. Move backwards. So you can figure out that you're actually going in the wrong direction and course correct and change. But action, again, it's funny how all these questions lined up, but it, action kind of yeah. matters. Like you have to do something and get that little win, build off that quick, build off that win, get another win. And then things start rolling and things start going. Like you look, like there's an expression, like the expression, when it rains, it pours. It's the truth, right? Like we just had a crazy week within the agency. Like you know this, you have insight into some insight into this, but it's momentum, it's this, that, and move it. And then when we get stagnant, things stay the same. But it's like capitalizing on movement. So just do something. Like, I know that sounds like such like easy advice, 
pick something, pick a goal, pick a small little goal, pick a win. Even if it's, you feel like you're drowning. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take an hour walk to clear my head. Cool. Stick to it. Go do that hour walk, clear your head. If it's like, Hey, I'm going to reach out to 10 people and let them know what I'm doing and reach out to business. That's a quick win. When you feel off that you check that off and you're like, cool, I did something. And that's how you beat the momentum. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> Cheesy, but true. Yep. Okay. Let's see. All right. I think that's it for now. Yeah, that's all we've got right now. Awesome. Until next week. Thank you, everybody. If you have any questions, put them in the comments below and yep. uh, and we'll get to it on next call. All right. See you Thanks, next Megan. week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for paying attention and tuning into that episode. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor. Go leave a five-star review. Leave a review. Leave some comments. Share it with some friends. Spread the love. It would mean the world to me. Uh, thank you so much for your attention and for tuning in, and I will see you on the next episode.